Welcome back, everybody, to Roses and Rhetoric Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Hackett, and with me, as always, my charming co-host, Joseph Stanford. All right, today's a very special episode, caught us a little bit by surprise. A couple of things in store today. We're going to hear from an old college friend of mine and a, and a, and a good friend of Joe as well, Kenzie. We're going to get her on the lines in just a few minutes to the stage a little bit. And to do that, I'm going to have Joe give us a little bit of background. So basically, Joe, earlier in the week, you found out that you were the subject of a story posted online. And we wanted to talk about that this week and to get the author on the line, which, which is Kenzie, and to talk about that story a little bit. But I wanted to kind of get your reaction to that story. I know that you've read it by now. What were your thoughts on it? The story definitely came as a surprise. Um, I didn't find out about it until actually you told me about it a few weeks ago where we were had a phone call and you mentioned that there was a story that was written that was published in a magazine that had a character that was very similar to me. I actually seemingly had a very large role in the story. And that surprised me because um, the events of the story happened a long, long time ago. And uh, it didn't necessarily paint me in the best light upon first read. Give us, give us an idea for the timeline. When was the story set? And then how many years have passed from that until now? And maybe 10 years ago, nine, 10 years ago, back in college before we were 21 years old, 29 now, 28 years old today. Okay. And this is, in, as far as you know, this is the, the first time that this story has been, been written or has been published? Yep. Yeah, it's the first time it's been published. Um, I forget the name of the magazine. We can ask Kenzie when she gets on the phone here. But sure. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get her on the line. Um, hopefully she'll read her story for us, tell us a little about it. And then um, maybe we can have some open discussion afterwards about what was being said there. Well, so one of the things that is, I, I think, becoming a theme more and more is this idea of, of bringing these conversations to the public. And well, I guess one of the, the first things I thought when I realized you were a character in it is what your interpretation was of this story in, in, in terms of could you readily recognize the events that she was describing? Or did, you, did, did it seem like it was an amalgamation of many events? Was it one specific day or night? Or was it kind of a whole bunch of things put together? And how do you feel they represented you in terms of accuracy? Um, there were a lot of there were a lot of things in the story that were very accurate that actually happened. Uh, to describe the story, I would say it's more more uh, nonfiction than fiction. Um, some of the order of events and some of the names and some of the things might not necessarily be the actual way they happened, but bigger picture, the ideas, the uh, everything that's being communicated through the story is is more or less how, how it went down. Very good. So I guess really, I mean, kind of the last question too, is just in terms of when you found out and when you reached out to Kinsey, what were, what were some of the things that you and her talked about then? And what was, what, what was the series of events that led to deciding to get this on a podcast and to talk about it here? Oh, absolutely. So I, I think that I, I, I texted Kenzie right after the fact. And one of the first things I thought after I read the story actually was, Oh, this would be a, a great thing to talk about on the podcast. Like there's, there's a lot of good stuff to talk about here. There's a lot of things that other people might benefit from, other people that might have similar situations, maybe, maybe not. And um, I, I reached out to her and um, understandably, she was a little hesitant at first, but 
once I kind of explained to her what was what, what the intentions were behind this podcast and having her on and talking to her, um, she she agreed and she uh, also agreed that this could be a, a great thing that, to do. So definitely look forward to it. Well, so let me ask you one more question. And then after this, we'll get Kinsey on the line and have her share the story. Do you know why she picked the name Nick? Mm. You know, it's funny. I, I don't know why she picked the name Nick. Uh, obviously, she didn't want to pick my real name for privacy reasons, I would hope. But uh, it's interesting because there was a group that, that uh, did not make the story, but uh, the name Nick did. So that's just something we're going to have to ask her. All right. Very good. Well, I think now we're going to turn the table a little bit. We're going to get Kinsey on the line and we're going to talk to her a little bit about the story and actually have her share it as well. So let's go ahead and get Kinsey on here and we'll welcome our special guest, Kinsey Quick. Kinsey, it's good to have you on. Thank you. So tell us, before we get into the story, let's just talk a little bit about the writing process itself. Now, as far as I know, in terms of my friends from college and from high school, you're probably one of the only people I know to have actually published something and put it online. So what was that process like? And what were some of the things you had to work through to achieve that goal? Um, yeah, so, you know, it's obviously like more practical and not as sparkly as most things seem. Um, but really, I had just started writing again. And I was like, you know, I just want to get this out there and get some feedback. Because um, I hadn't really shared it personally. And so um, I started in the Google search bar, as most people do. Um, and, you know, found some helpful articles that were like, there's lots of literary journals out there. They publish different stuff. Find one that's suited to your subject matter. Um, read the stuff they've, um, you know, published and see um, if you think you'd be a good fit. Um, and so I went through and found a couple journals or um, yeah, literary journals that I thought might work and um, submitted to like a, a couple contests before I submitted to Harness Online Magazine where I actually got published. Um, and like once you get into it, you'll see like a lot of them use the same platform um, and it's really easy to submit. Some of them are free, some of them it's $3, but then you're really playing the, the waiting game. Um, some of them are like, we'll get back to you in six months. Um, oh my gosh, six yeah. months? Yes. Oh, that's ridiculous. <laughs> um, so so like, I, I, wouldn't even, I, I wouldn't even care in six months. This is bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, have, you, have you submitted other stories or is this the first story you've submitted? This is the first story I've submitted. Um, Kenzie, let me, let me stop you real quick and ask. So yeah. you, you said that you were writing and it sounds like you said writing again. And so when you were writing before, what things were you writing and was there ever any desire to, to publish those? You're saying this is the first time that you've published, but you were writing before because you just weren't publishing it. Is that, is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, um, I've never written something truly cohesive that I had planned to publish ever. Um, and this was kind of born out of like, out of a lot of different things. Um, but definitely quarantine was one of them and like having time. Um, and also just as a kid, like I loved reading and writing. Those were my favorite things. Um, and I had kind of, like, they had kind of just fallen by the wayside for some reason in life and um, recently, like, had gone back to them. Um, 
And so nothing else cohesive, but this piece that was actually published is basically like an excerpt of something longer that I had started writing. Um, and it kind of stood alone. It was like a separate scene, I guess, like that I wanted to add a separate story. I wanted to add to that bigger story, but I was like, okay, this kind of stands alone. Like I can edit something of this size and I just wanted to submit, you know, and see what would happen. So there's more to the story is what you're saying? Yes. Do you think that you'd ever uh, release some of those pieces later or put it all in one all encompassing volume or what's your thoughts on what you're going to do there? Yeah, I would, I would love to. Um, I mean, the other, yeah, the whole piece is not crazy long. It's like 5,000 words. Um, but I'm, and it, how many, how many pages is that? Like eight pages. Okay. Um, it's, it's something I'm definitely hoping to polish and maybe publish somewhere else, but I don't know. We'll see. Wow. I, so I think, Kinsey, if you're ready, we can go ahead and have you share your story. Unless, Joe, did you want to ask anything else prior to that? Or do you want, can we go ahead and have Kinsey share her story? No, Kinsey, please share. All right. Um, Prepare yourselves to hear my voice for a while. This is my story called 93. After my high school boyfriend and I broke up for a semester, I was single for most of freshman year of college. I made a lot of new friends in my norm, but Nick and I would hang out when his girlfriend left town for the weekend. We also all hung out, the three of us, often, and she and I ran together for a while, but I was never entirely comfortable with them. I had known him longer and knew him better. I tried to downplay and hide it. I genuinely wanted their relationship, their relationship to succeed, but when she was gone, so was the inhibition. One Friday after she left town, I finished a chemistry midterm and Nick and I were invited by a high school friend to a house party off campus. I felt really good about the test. It was a rare night when I allowed myself to let go of everything I could have done better that day, what I should do tomorrow, and allowed myself to feel I might deserve happiness. Our friend with the invite was getting ready when I finished the test that evening, so Nick and I went to her dorm to wait. I was still in my clothes from the day jeans, a v-neck, keds. My pant size was the smallest it ever been after getting mono the summer before. We waited for possibly hours in her dorm hall. We talked until we ran out of subjects. We did wall sits. I think he won. We braced against each other back to back and tried to climb up the wall. Our friend took a picture. Nick and I suspended in the air, faces blurred with laughter, arms intertwined. I made it my profile picture, considering his girlfriend's feelings after the fact. He was her boyfriend in my person. I wasn't a threat, she knew that. Years later, he would tell me it upset her, and I'd wonder at our naivete. Our friend was finally dressed in a tight black dress with a zipper down the front and heels. I should have foreseen this, but I didn't really care. I felt free, I felt present, I had little interest in meeting new people. Me, in the jeans? Yes, I'm obviously unavailable. Thanks. Nick and I played beer pong and ran the table. We beat one couple so swiftly we offered a rematch out of sympathy. They nodded in admiration. In this room of mostly strangers, I looked around and saw the assumption the winning team was a couple. 
We corrected them when asked, but this outward manifestation of our chemistry was awkward. I eventually reached my beer limit and got sick. I called my friends and waited in the front yard where I could be alone to vomit over the side of a large decorative rock. The only sober person to drive was a friend's friend still in high school there for a college visit. Nice to meet you, Kyle. Appreciate the lift. My friends told me I looked like a little mermaid. My legs stuck under me and my hair covered my face as I leaned over the rock to vomit. Nick wasn't there to hold my hair, but he left with us. I appreciated his lack of concern, being treated the same as a male friend. As my girlfriends carried me into the dorm, I watched Nick walk away towards his plans to smoke with someone I didn't know. He wasn't ready for the night to be over. He called the next day to see how I was. At 19, I'd still never had a hangover. Let's get lunch then, he said. I think I'm going to break up with Maggie. What? Why? Nick, she's smart, hot, sweet. What's the problem? There's someone else. A hard swallow of water. What? I've met someone else. Nick, you've been together for almost a year. What person are you ready to throw that away for? It's not just any other person. It's last night at that party. Breathing was temporarily harder. Doing my own thing without having to worry about her. It's more everyone else I could be meeting. I think I want that more than I want her. Exhale. Dang, you're dumber than I thought. Come on, it's our freshman year of college. It's a time for change, Kens. Reckless change? Arguably, yes. This is exactly the time we should be fucking up. Damn it, Nick. I was starting to be friends with her. That's on you. I roll. Are you going to do it when she gets back? Yes, come on. I'm not going to send her a breakup text after a year. What else is on your fuck-up agenda? So you're in support? Does it matter? It probably wouldn't change the agenda, but it would matter. That's comforting. There's another house party tonight. The lacrosse team. Ty is going. That sounds like too many bros for me. Come on, Kens. Do you have other plans? No, I didn't. If I get stuck in a single conversation about some dude's summer vacation I give no shits about, I will officially be having a bad time. Come on. You need to meet new people and forget them. Damn. Thanks, bring up my ex. That really makes me want to get out there. You know it'll be fun. If Nick and I were together, it probably would be. Fine. Do you think your brother could get us some alcohol for pre-gaming? Oh, the real reason you want me to come reveals itself. Bro, you know it's not like that. He smiles. I send a text. I'll let you know. Any requests? Bud Light Lime. It's good. You have to try it. Okay. Want to study for a little until then? 
Sure. Years later, Nick would break my heart in a way that made me hope I would never feel again. I got a 93 on the chemistry test. <laughs> we could put some canned laughter in there just so it sounds better. But I actually am clapping for real because I, I do enjoy that story. And I, and I have read it before, but I did enjoy it. Oh, thank you. And, it was, and I, you, have a, you have a very nice reading voice as well. Thank you. That was very nice. Yeah, that, that was perfect. Um, can I say Wait, something? Wait, I'm going to ask the first question, obviously. So, <laughs> all, right, all right, Jim, go ahead. Um, okay, so chemistry midterm. Now, yeah. I took chemistry as a freshman as well. So I'm going to ask you a chemistry question to see how oh. well that knowledge has retained itself. <laughs> Kinsey, I'm looking for a, a one phrase, two word answer, maybe three word answer, depending <laughs> on how you count the words. Tell me what, by what process is a carbon atom able to make four bonds with another atom? Um, because it has four free electrons to make bonds. <laughs> We're looking for, uh, I believe the answer is SP hybridization. Wow. Ooh. <laughs> I'm going to have to come back to that one. Dang. Actually, I, I don't even know. I could be wrong. I really don't even remember. Uh, can I still be on no, the podcast? You can still be on the podcast. You can still, <laughs> only, only because I'm probably wrong, because I actually don't remember anything from freshman chemistry. So, uh, and then uh, sound, sounds legit. And I, a 93 is impressive, so I'm sure you're, you were happy with that score. Um, okay, no. So, I yes, I, I think it's now – Joe, why don't you go? I'm sure you have some questions you want to clarify, so go ahead. Um, yeah, no, I thought it was a, a, a good story. I, I thought it was really good. Some of the things I liked the most was I liked the dialogue and I liked the simplicity of it a lot. And I just thought overall it was very easy to read mm. and understand. And I, I think that's probably has a big part of why it was successful. Uh, there was one part that really bothered me, though, and I just wanted to fact check this. Um, <laughs> you said you were 19 and you had never had a hangover up to that point. <laughs> Is that true? That is definitely true. Wow. I, you know, I, I forget the luxuries of being, being that young. <laughs> uh, I remember I got my first hangover when I was already could legally drink. And I was like, oh, man, uh, maybe this isn't as fun as I thought it was. Yeah. Um, and then the, the other question I had was, were you talking about this a little bit before you got on the air? Um, would you story? Would you consider this story to be fiction, nonfiction, somewhere in between, or where, where would you place it? Um. So I didn't think about this before I submitted it because I was like, to anyone who doesn't know me, this is fiction. <laughs> and then once I submitted it, I was like, oh, it's really a mix of both, in my opinion. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess people will be curious, like everything in it is true or happened except for the final conversation, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily in the same time frames that you gave, like in the same days. Um, Would you say that? Yes. Although, yeah, I, I'm pretty sure the chemistry midterm and the party happened on the same day. Um, <laughs> But the 93% is real. The 93% is actually I, I want to see a <laughs> screenshot of that yeah. test. I want a photocopy. <laughs> I want it to be notarized. I need a transcript. <laughs> I'm sure no, you... Kizzy, wait, when you say midterm, do you mean halfway through the semester or at the end of the semester between chemistry one and chemistry two? It because was the chemistry yeah, yeah. final. No, it was... Which one? 
It was not a chemistry final. It was the one like halfway okay. through your first, you know, through the semester. Yeah, guys. So it was right, low key. Right, right. Yes, a low key because the the chemistry final was the ACS final. That was a bear of a test. Yeah, I, I did. I did not get a ninety three on that test. That was a that was a hard <laughs> test. That was a bear. Okay. Okay. Well, th- I do have more questions on your story. Okay, I'm ready. Um, however, before I want ask those questions. I actually wrote something of my own. I wrote my own short story to uh, kind of add on and uh, branch off of kind of what you wrote. Wait, can I ask one question before you go, though? Sure. Did you write this after you read my story and because of it or before? Yeah. Okay. I wrote this in the past in the past week. Okay. Awesome. Wait, wait I want to clarify. So, so Kenzie asked a compound question, which I think is worth answering. Not only was it after, but was it also because of? Kinsey's story. I oh yeah, sure absolutely. Okay, so yes. Well, I, I did have some kind of scraps of stories on my hard drive that I okay. did kind of just compile together. So there was a little bit of pre-existing content out there. Okay. But uh, I, I think it all came to good use in the end here. So. All right. Very good. All right. Well, without any uh, any further delay, Joe, we can go ahead and, and share your story. And what is your story called? My my story is called the Oregon Coast. The Oregon Coast. By Joseph Stanford. You called the police? Were the words from my newfound alarm clock at 3.37 a.m. this morning. I wasn't sure who she was talking to, but whoever was on the other end of the phone quickly conjured confusement and fury in my fifth floor apartment. She got out of bed, shimmied up her denim skirt from the floor, and bent over to kiss me goodbye before fleeing the scene. I got up to use the bathroom and washed my genitals before stumbling back into my ruffled bed. Did we exchange numbers? My fleeting thought before falling back to sleep. A few hours later, I woke up feeling grateful that Saturday morning for the empty weekend ahead. I poured myself a cup of joe from the French press before sitting at my desk behind colorful stacks of mismatched books and bare notebook pages when my phone rang. Wow, Nick, you're up early this morning, said Sophia. Up but very hungover. What's going on? We're going to the coast. Should we pick you up on the way? Can't. I need to study it today. I get it. Call me later, ended Sophia. I hung up and tossed my iPhone to the other side of my studio, where it made gentle ripples on my freshly made comforter. Lo-fi study beats ensued. That morning, I read a book by a Belgian psychotherapist. She wrote about the tension between the need for security and the need for freedom in human relationships and how when one is waxing, the other is often waning. When we grow out of relationships and we find our attention wandering, we aren't necessarily looking for another person as much as we are looking for another self. I thought back to college nearly a decade prior when I was in a long-term relationship with a girl named Maggie. I loved Maggie. I remember the early days in our relationship where we would lose track of time together in dimly lit parking lots and unkept dorm rooms. As the relationship matured over the years, we became more comfortable with each other. As the comfort in our relationship increased, I helplessly watched the intimacy decrease. I felt stuck between my conceptualized idea of what a relationship should be and my desire for adventure, novelty, and autonomy. Back then, College was my vehicle for exploring these feelings of wonderlust, and Maggie acted as my chauffeur, 
I felt guilty for staying up late drinking with friends and fetching late night meals at the Triple T truck stop. Well, I knew she was in my bed, patiently awaiting my return. One Friday afternoon in college, I just finished a grueling week of midterm exams for classes I neither attended nor had much care for. Classes like differential equations and organic chemistry. Society told me that school was good for me and in my best long-term interests, and I listened, but my soul had other priorities. My roommates and I sat around our coffee table watching TV while we planned our weekend. I know of a party at the lacrosse house tonight, but we'd have to bring booze and at least a couple women, said Chris. Too bad my brother is out of town or he could get us some, said Stephen. Some booze or some women, I asked. Doesn't matter for you, Nick. You have a girlfriend anyways. I told you, Maggie's out of town this weekend. I said before pulling out my phone to make a call. Hello? Hey, Julia. Want to come to a party tonight? I don't know. I was up late last, but before she could complete her excuse, I continued. Julia, we all were up late last, light, up late last night studying, and I know you don't want to get stuck at some sausage fest. But other than that, what do you have to lose? You only live once, remember? And who knows? you might come out with some good stories. Uh, you're right. I don't have anything to lose. Fine, I'll come. Julia, being close to Maggie, knew she was out of town that weekend. I secretly hoped that had played a part in her coy agreement. Oh, Julia, one more thing. Can your brother pick us up a 30th Coors Light and some Bud Light Limes before the party? Damn it, Nick. This is the third time this week in a row. And Bud Light Limes? Really? It's not my fault. I'm only 19, I defended. I hoped my quick scoring of booze and a woman would have kept my roommates unsuspecting of my deeper motives for inviting Julia to a night promising inhibitions and no sign of Maggie. Nick, just state Julia already, will you? Said my roommate, Steven. I have a girlfriend, I retorted. Julia glowed that night. She showed up on time to me and my roommate's house near campus to pregame. Her slim shape was well complemented by a pair of jeans and framed by a white v-neck. Personally, I could have gone without the Keds, however. But at least she brought the alcohol. Her, her energy was simple, sexy, confident. I had good feelings about the night ahead. We walked into a party and began mingling. Julia and I called next game on the beer pong table. Normally, we're both pretty skilled, but that night we went undefeated. College taught me that a beer pong team's success depends on 93% chemistry and 7% good music. With Julia and I on the table and DJ Coincidence on the ox, the night had both. I remember meeting Julia in kindergarten. We were always close. We understood each other on a much deeper level than any of my other relationships. No matter how much time had passed in between seeing each other, we would always quickly fall back to our exceptional rapport. All right, Julia, should we let someone else play? My shoulders are getting tired from carrying this team, I said after sinking last cup for literally the fifth game in a row. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> but yes, let's go outside. We walked outside together into the warm Arizona darkness. 
Nothing happened that night between Julia and I other than a long night of torturous bliss. I went home alone, wanting more. More Julia, more freedom, more adventure, and less Maggie. A week later, Stephen and I sat in our living room, engulfed in a heated match of Smash Bros. Maggie and I broke up today, I blurted. I knew it. You fucked Julia at that party, didn't you? He accused me while spam pressing the grab button on the N64 controller. No, I would never cheat. But there's someone else. What? I love someone else. Nick, you've been together for almost two years. What person are you ready to throw that away for? Myself. A new me. Uh, said Steven as I spiked his Captain Falcon character off the map into the Hyrule underworld. I continued. I love Maggie, and I wish I could stay with her, but I can't. My soul wants freedom, and anyone that limits that freedom will take unfair resentment. It's not fair for her, and it's not fair for me. Fast forward back to that hungover morning in my fifth floor apartment. I closed my notebook and got up from my chair. I walked over to my bed before picking up my phone and going to my recents. Hello? Said the voice on the other side of the phone. Hey, Sophia. Have you guys left for the coast yet? End story. <laughs> Again, we'll put some canned laughter in there. Okay, so as per usual, I'll ask the first question because that's the most appropriate. So, Joe, you were taking organic chemistry. So my question to you is an organic chemistry question. What are the... Uh, the what main are part the... I lied about in the story. <laughs> is it really? Go oh, ahead. Well, Go ahead. Okay, what are the uh, two uh, confirmers of benzene? Two mm. confirmers of benzene. It's, well, it's there's two... Yeah. There's a uh, hybridization and uh, S and P block. There you go. Now <laughs> we're looking for uh, boat and chair confirmation. Boat and chair oh. for benzene. Kinsey oh, should know that too. She took organic chemistry. That one I might have actually known, Jimmy. You probably you probably would have known that. Yeah. You probably know that. One. You probably see more more organic chemistry in your line of work than you do general chemistry, I would guess. Um. Yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, Kenzie, I'll let you ask the first question to Joe then about the story. <laughs> um, well, this is the first time I'm hearing this story. I think everyone should know. This is, um, this is the first time I've, I've that's shared That's a good point. Yes. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. This is a, a live sharing, a live sharing. I, I saw a little rough draft last night, but there were changes between that version and this one. Correct, Joe? Yep. Got yeah, it. So this is, this is the, the first time that we're seeing this version of the story. Well, first of all, I liked it, and thank you. I thought it was well done. Um, um, I guess it's interesting. What um, I guess what I I just like the the movement of time in your story, um, mm. and the fact that we start out on the Oregon coast like many years in front of yeah the rest of the story and i guess yeah i'd like to know more about why you included that why why i went from kind of the the more modern frame back to the old frame and back yeah um i was trying to 
capture kind of some of the the things that are the same about me since college and then maybe some of the things that have changed since then. Yeah. So that was my intention in, in, in throwing in the different time frames. Um, I think just me as like a reader and writer, I have a little bit of uh, setting ADD, so I can't really <laughs> stay in one place for too long. So for a short story, it was, it was uh, pretty helpful to be able to jump around a little bit like that. Um, yeah, and I really liked it. Um, and I also just like, I loved the, um, who are you ready to throw that away for myself? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I was definitely very inspired in a lot of the form of the story from yours. Yeah, I see some of the parallels. <laughs> oh, really? Because I think I missed all of them. Maybe you go through them step by step and really make sure. <laughs> well, let me. Well, let me ask this. Let me because in this, let's. I want to keep focused on on the stories for for a, a few more minutes on on kind of them themselves just as written works, mm-hmm. and then I want to then we'll, let, let's move into some of the broader implications for for where these works exist, which is really what I want to talk about later on, which is this whole idea of the public diary, which is kind of the territory that we're getting into with these, with these pieces slightly. And mm-hmm. I'll, I'll define that later on, but let's, let's start with these two stories as, as written works. What, what would you say, and this is for both of you to answer. And then you can also ask each other this question too. What was the hardest part about writing the story in, in, in terms of getting the words onto paper? So in other words, I, I, I don't mean worrying about, you know, being too revealing or anything like that. I mean, in terms of the structure, what part of the story was the hardest for you? Was it editing? Was it dialogue? Was it character growth? What was the, what was the challenge there for both of you? Ken's, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so for me, like my writing process, I'm very much like a drafter. So my first draft, it just like spills out and I go and then I go back and edit, edit, edit. And that's definitely the most time consuming part and probably the toughest part, I guess, only because like sometimes I do change one sentence three times. Right. Um, and I, um, but yeah, one of my favorite things about writing is I like get lost in it pretty easily. So yeah, I guess there's, not a lot of it that feels like a lot of work, but that's definitely like the most time consuming part, but also the part that makes it the best. And Joe, what about it for you? So I love what you said there about how it didn't feel like work because I think that is exactly what happened to me as well. This is my first uh, complete short story. I would say, like I said, I've had kind of bits and pieces before, but this is the first, uh, kind of like wrapped up, put a bow on it and put it out there type thing. I mean, besides like school, which obviously doesn't count because I plagiarized all that anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, I shared a similar experience in that the first draft was, was very easy to write. It was easy to get kind of everything on there, get like a, you know, a rough story, more or less a rough outline of, of what I wanted to say. And I found the hard part being going back and kind of cleaning it up and, you know, really thinking about like whatever potential audience might be reading it, like kind of, you know, uh, neurotically in my mind going back and forth, like, okay, how's that going to be accepted? How's that going to be taken? Like, what are they going to think of that? What are they going to think of this? And then that was kind of the editing process was just going through and framing it more for, 
I don't know, people that would be hearing it or people that would be reading it and just making sure I was concise with what I was trying to say. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the editing was brutal. That took a very long time <laughs> for sure. Well, so that actually leads into the next question, which I think can serve as a bridge to the, to the larger topic. But I wanted to ask both of you, since we have two stories written by two different people and both people feature prominently in the other person's story, how do each of you feel you were portrayed in the other person's story? And why don't we, let, let's start with Joe this time. So started with Kinsey last time. Ooh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Jimmy and I kind of had a running joke that, uh, that, that uh, a hit piece was written about me. <laughs> uh, I, that makes me the intention, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're clearly exaggerating, but... Um, it wasn't a hit piece, but it was a surprise. I don't think it was. It was, it was a surprise. Yeah, it was a surprise. It, yeah, you're right. It, it, and, it, and it wasn't a hit piece by any means. But yeah, certainly, <laughs> it was a, certainly it was a surprise. But in any event, Joe, go ahead. Yeah, certainly certainly, I was surprised by a lot of the things that were written in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't offended in any way. Um, I, I remember reading it, and the first thing that came across my mind is like, okay, I got to write something back. I got to... <laughs> I got to write something, not just to like, not, not in like a defensive type of way, but just like, okay, this is like an opportunity for me to get some words on paper and, and really explore like therapeutically a lot of my psychology yeah, and a lot of like the things in my mind and just get them concisely written in one place that, you know, kind of helps, helps with my mind as well as, I don't know, I hope that it might've helped other people too. Um, maybe just give examples and give a you know a dialogue of what what I was feeling at the time and see where that can advance the conversation yeah um just like in response I just want to make sure like it's out there that I'm like the fact that you wanted to write something after reading it I feel like is like you know one of the biggest compliments I can get from something I wrote you know um so I just think that's cool um yeah. Okay. Do you want to hear how I felt? I have questions about how you felt, but we can talk about yes, how I no. felt first. <laughs> yeah. No. Let's. Yeah. So sure. So let's let's do that. Can you, let's say how you felt about how you were portrayed in, in Joe's story, and then yeah, and then and then you can ask a question to Joe as well. Um. So. I. I mean. Yeah. Again, I was not offended, as you were not offended at all. Um. I really appreciate how you described our friendship because I feel very similarly about it. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously your story, I don't think we could, anyone could even exaggerate that it was, you know, a hit piece. <laughs> so <laughs> I, I don't have to talk about that part as much, but um, Wait, you think, you think my story was it? No, I'm saying it wasn't. And so oh, it was not, it's okay, not okay. like we have to digest that like you did. <laughs> Um, yeah, I know. I, I thought that would have been better radio, but uh, <laughs> I definitely wasn't feeling no, that way. wouldn't have done a show like that. That, that is cheap <laughs> drama. No, I, I think uh, both of you guys wrote good, wrote good stories. So, so Kenzie, you said there were some things you wanted to ask to Joe. Um, yeah. Well, mostly, I just think, sorry, this isn't a question, but it's just, What's Mm -hmm. what's interesting about Joe and I's relationship is, like, you described that night, like, hoping that something might happen, right? 
And mm-hmm. when you were with Maggie, like for that never crossed my mind. And not because I'm like a more righteous person than you are, but because I had just shut that door because right. it had like kind of been explored further and like didn't really go anywhere. And like as like a safety precaution for myself, I had just like shut that door. So it's that part is really interesting to me to hear your perspective um, and just think about how I didn't see that. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that I think that the mind likes to shut doors sometimes that are are not really obvious what doors are being shut. Like in, in other words, it's sometimes you you're kind of hypnotized by your own conscience. Like you you know you're aware of certain things, but there's a refusal to admit that those things are somewhere in your brain acting as aware awareness. Totally. Yes. Um yeah, and I found I have, yeah, I found I do that to myself sometimes, but then, you know, that just means a shock later. So that's why, you know, you've mm. got to process those things when they happen. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of just digesting your story. Okay. Um, w- would you like to me to ask a question in the meantime? Yeah. So you, you, the story ended. The last few words. Mm-hmm. Ninety-three was the last. Few <laughs> <words>. <laughs> a little bit before that, maybe a line or two before that. That y- your heart was broken in a way that made you never want to feel again. What a uh, what's going on there? Yeah. Um. So I feel like this is something that I've wanted to say to you for a really long time, and just haven't really had the opportunity but okay when yeah when we were in college and very shortly after we both like semi-long-term relationships you know we like there was a time when I thought we might be together right and I yeah I was the one to say like Joseph let's just fucking do this we've been you know flirting with this for so long like we're graduating soon like let's just try it and see what's there and you like true to what you wrote in that story you were like I can't be in a relationship right now like I need to just be single and Mm -hmm. that is not the part that broke my heart and that's the part that's the thing that I you know wish I had said to you earlier what was so hard for me is then I felt like after that, you just kind of like stepped out of my life. And we were such good friends. And I had just gone through a recent breakup that that was heartbreaking for lack of a better term, right? Like I felt like my friend mm-hmm. was gone. And I'm not trying to make you feel bad about that. I don't know if, like, I'm not trying to say you did something wrong. Like, that's just what I was feeling, right? It, oh, yeah, totally. It felt like all our friendship that came before, like, somehow didn't matter. And I was really struggling between, like, feeling a little bit rejected, right? Because you didn't want to date me, which, again, like, wasn't actually that upset about that. But I felt very, very abandoned by you as a friend. Okay. And I know I've never said that to your face. Like, I wish I could have found the words earlier. 
But again, I don't think I found the words until a long, long time later. Yeah, and then, and uh, like you said, a long time later, I think that that's definitely played a big factor in it for me as well. Um, kind of going through this process and looking back at the, the story and what you've just told me, the the big challenge in this for me is 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 bringing the awareness back to the behavior that happened at that time. Like, you know, everyone gets caught up in their own subjective experience and they kind of lose track of of what their what implications their actions have like what what type of impacts the things they do have on other people and other people's feelings and psyches etc and uh i certainly had very little awareness in college and i feel i feel privileged at this point to be able to kind of look back at those times and kind of be able to have a second chance to at least take some lessons at least learn some of the consequences that my actions had at that time that I, I just, I was totally blind to at the time. Yeah. I mean, and, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it's, I'm still kind of just soaking it in as well because uh, it, the thing in your story, it didn't really give a lot of context as to why I, I would be summed up in kind of a negative light there towards the end of your story. Yeah. Um, and and that, that was one of the, the, the biggest open questions that I had after reading through it. For sure. And so hopefully it'll give you comfort in knowing that um, this longer piece I have about our friendship. Oh, oh boy. It like ends in a very, a very. <laughs> it includes the midterm and the final. It's really, really kind of see what. <laughs> um, like that ending was really added just for dramatic effect in that short story. Um, mm -hmm. And my true intention with that story is not at all like, is much more one of like, yeah, peace and resolution, you know? Okay, so, so you didn't try to write a hit piece about me. Not at all. I'm sorry, it just worked out that <laughs> way. <laughs> well, wait, so this actually brings up some really interesting points and I just wanna jump in here for a little bit. And yeah. Let me, let me give my framework and this, it's, it's, it's going to be a negative take on both you and Joe. So I'm giving both of you a heads up right now. Okay. But, um, it, here's what I want to ask both of you. What does it say about the relationship between you and Joe that it was easier for both of you to talk to literally the entire world <laughs> instead of just talking to each other? Yeah. Now, millions I think, of listeners. I think, I, well, no, but 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 your intent is to put this story online. Kinsey put hers online. I'm saying both of you felt comfortable putting the story online, but both of you just said that it was hard for you to talk like, about this in in person. And so I think that why do you think that that's the case uh, that that happened? And then the other thing I, along those same lines is that when you are telling a true story and when you are selling a true story. What responsibility, so Kenzie, you're saying you added it for a dramatic effect, which I, in terms of literary technique is perfectly, perfectly fine. But since it was a real person that you were writing about, there's, there's some trade-off there, right? Where, you, you know, what do you, what do you as an author feel like you can exaggerate versus what are you more cautious to exaggerate in, in terms of the other person's feelings and or reputation? Well, Jim, 
I'll be honest, I, I didn't think that this story would necessarily be published or that many people would read it. And so I didn't very seriously. Or that think. it would be on such a famous podcast. Yeah, kids, <laughs> yeah, I kids, I mean, you are on the Roses Rhetoric podcast, which I'm sure you know. Yeah, so, this has been yeah, quite yeah, a turn the, of events. Taking, taking the road by storm. But, um, yeah. So I did not give it a ton of thought. Um, I thought the pool of people who would know that Joseph Isnick would either not be close enough to him that their judgment mattered, um, and the people who were close to him like would not use that to judge him. Do, do you think that some people did judge me harder after reading this story? No. Do you? Oh, I, I don't know. My, mind reading is a tricky thing, right, Jim? <laughs> it's a very, very difficult skill, but one definitely worth mastering. Uh, wait, I will, so here's, a, here's an easier question. Why does, does the name Nick have any significance for Joe? Is there a reason why you call Joe Nick? Does that mean anything? Um, I chose it because I um, needed a fake name for him. And <laughs> I, uh, one of the authors who... I kind of like inspired me to write like this and she actually does the same thing where she does dialogue like that with nothing in between it right no he said she said like just it's a straight dialogue just a gotcha right in one of her novels the main guy is Nick so I was like why not wait so I, I have a question about character names yeah uh when you wrote it did you use the actual names of the people you were thinking of at the time because that that's what I kind of found myself doing and then at the end I went back and set them all out to the little find and replace action yeah so when I first wrote the story I used your name um but no one else's name um because I think when I started writing it um it felt like almost more like a memoir kind of right and it was like so and it wanted to be very true to what really happened but then not naming anyone else like already weirdly had that like privacy standpoint in my brain and then as I realized I might publish it um decided to change the name and it's been kind of fun because after that is when I added the dialogue right which is like a conversation that didn't actually happen and and like, since I have written more in the story, like, Nick is now somewhat separate from you. Um, mm -hmm. So now when I'm, it's easier to just use Nick. Um, but yeah, otherwise I just, like, assigned random names to people and made sure they weren't except, in there. Except for Ty. Except for Ty, yeah. Which, maybe that wasn't Who's, the smartest idea. <laughs> <laughs> Whose last name will not be said to uh, protect the privacy of, of, of Ty. That was, well, so when we were reading it, I wasn't sure. I was like, maybe she picked Ty to be a different person who actually isn't Ty. And I was like, no, that's definitely Ty. <laughs> I figured Ty was generic enough, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah. 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 Ty had a pretty neutral role in it, too. So no, I, I, yeah. Yeah. I think we let that one slide. Yeah. yeah. Zoe said the same thing, though, so that's funny. My roommate. Yeah, yeah no, I that, that was actually my next question. What What type of response did you get from your story from, like, some of your close friends or roommates those type of people um i mean they all told me they liked it because they're good friends <laughs> right um but yeah most people a lot of people like it's easy to read like you said um and then i had some random people reach out to me who 
we knew in college and be like, I remember that night. Um, or Random people? Not super random. Other friends we know who are not in the story, but um, who either went to similar parties with us or went to that party with us and they were like... Or were in your chemistry class and... Yeah. (laughs) Like, that midterm was the worst. You got a 93? 93. All right. So she's clearly exaggerating, (laughs) clearly lying. None of this... Not one word of this is true. She's completely discredited. (laughs) Yeah. Clearly imaginative writing. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. I bet. I bet she broke Nick's heart. (laughs) Well, I, I had a few more questions about about the kind of role of a public sharing of these kind of stories in and kind of how you see this playing out. And it's, it's only a couple, but basically what I wanted to ask is, I mean, what is, do you, do you have any worry about sharing something personal in a, in a public space? I mean, I'm, I'm sure that isn't something easy to do. And so what is, what are, what are some of the things you weigh before, before deciding to do that? Joe, do you want to Let me just say one more thing. Because, I mean, you are, I think both of you really wrote these stories that carry a lot. I mean, they carry a lot of weight with them. I mean, that comes through in the writing. I mean, you, 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 you grow to really feel like, you know, this is an important event, which I, I obviously it is. But what is, is that, is that vulnerable to put it out in, in, in the public space like that? Yeah, to, to write something like this, it takes a, a tremendous amount of openness and honesty and, and vulnerability, like you said. And, uh, you know, the natural state of the mind is to avoid those types of feelings and kind of just make up excuses for why not to do something like that. But for me, it was one of the biggest drivers for this or the biggest, um, you know, dialogues that I had in my head was being able to, like, overcome some of those insecurities, afraidness to be open, et cetera, with, uh, with courage, you know. It, it took a lot of courage to write this because it, it's just it just it just opens you up, puts you out there in in a way that is really hard to achieve. A way that's hard to do, and you don't it doesn't happen to you very often. So, being able to overcome that and get it out there, like I, I think that alone has has a. I can check that off as mission accomplished. You know, like it, this story has been worthwhile for me let alone like all the other benefits that I'm getting from it as well. How about you, Kenzie? Um, yeah, I agree with, with everything you said. And, um, in that it's definitely an exercise in strength and courage to publish something so personal, but, um, I didn't have a lot of fear about this being out there. Um, and part of that, like I said, is because I didn't expect a lot of people to read it. Um, <laughs> but also because I, um, you know, I've read similar writing by a lot of women that has been really, really therapeutic for me. And Any names in particular? Yeah. Um, Diana Athill is one. Um, she has a memoir called Instead of a Letter. Um that was actually like the impetus for me to like start writing, but I found her through Lena Dunham. I really liked her book. Um, and then, so those are both memoirs, nonfiction, but as far as fiction goes, Sally Rooney is the other one, but so Sally Rooney, yeah, it's fiction, but her content is like not that different from what we're writing about. 
at all. It's about personal relationships. And because journaling's always has been so therapeutic for me, like all of this writing has been therapeutic for me and just helping me process, you know, my feelings. And like once I get them into something that I think is worthwhile for other people to read, like I don't know, I I'm I just put it out there in the hopes that someone will enjoy it. Like, I don't want it to be judged. Like the, the point of it was to make it and I made it and then it's out there and whatever happens happens. And I just don't think my personal life is necessarily like that interesting <laughs> that, um, you know, like anything I've said is not, you know, going to make people go crazy, I guess. So I don't know. I guess I feel very op- like at, at peace. At least, I just feel it's so worthwhile, I guess that, the fears kind of set aside. Yeah, I, I definitely shared that that uh, sentiment that you know, like nothing that interesting is really happening in in my life. Like <laughs> nothing noteworthy that would attract attention on its own. Yeah. But I, I think for for both of us, what's really helped with these stories is is kind of the the individual mindset, like the right the unique way that all these different emotions and values and ways of dictating words and saying things i i think that's where the that's where the uh the appeal comes from is it comes from being able to see that like being able to say something from your perspective and it just being unique and well thought out and 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 you know well dictated i think that that that's really the money maker right there in the situation yeah i agree and you know, in other people's writing, I'm like, it's these weird little details that seem so insignificant that like really resonate mm-hmm. with me. Right. And like make, um, make the story vivid. Um, so that's like the, the nitty gritty part of it that I really like is like going back and I'm like, what, what does stick out to me that night? And it's probably important even if I don't know exactly why it might stick out, you know, mm-hmm. but it's interesting that you remember some of the same details. <laughs> Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> hard, hard to forget. <laughs> hey Jim, when are you going to write your short story now? <laughs> <laughs> my my personal life is even uh, less interesting than than the two of yours, <laughs> so I really don't think that I would publish anything online. Uh, I I disagree completely, Jimmy. Uh, yeah, Kinsey, Kinsey, please. I disagree uh, as well. <laughs> yeah, I uh, well, I I guess I mean I I'm kind of the odd duck out of here. I I I am. I, I will say openly and honestly that I, I am more skeptical of publicizing personal stories like this, which I don't say to attack either one of you. I, I, both of you make good arguments, and I, I, I understand what you're saying. But I, I really do think that there is a danger, maybe not, maybe not so much for the two of you because you are older, you are more mature, and I, I think you do understand what, what you are, are publishing and putting online. But – I do worry about the teenager, the 18 year old who has a blog that they treat like a public journal Mm. and becomes personal very quickly. And I, I worry about that for two reasons. One is I worry that, that it it cheapens legitimate in-person intimacy, which during COVID is I think even more important. And the second is that it really does open you up for embarrassing things later on in life. I mean, all of us can, I'm, I'm sure all of us could remember having done or said something stupid when we were 18 that we're very glad we did not put online to be immortalized. (laughs) And right. I mean, that, 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 that's trivial, but I worry that the public journal 
or the public diary, whatever you want to, whatever you would call it, which I think both your stories kind of fit somewhere in that category, mm-hmm. at least a little bit. Um, totally. That it that it 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 leaves people open to embarrassing themselves, and I I don't mean in a in a trivial sense, but what I mean is they may be sharing something personal, and through that personal story, leave themselves vulnerable, and the reaction could be very different than what they are expecting. And I, I worry about that because I, I think that we find ourselves living in a world that is surrounded by a social media machine that is basically feeding off of people's need for emotional support and is encouraging people to turn that desire for emotional support into things that social media can then market to other people through clicks or websites or advertising or something. Mm-hmm. And so we're being put into a system where, where we are being encouraged to share things that are emotional because emotional things are also popular. And then through that effort, we get, we get caught up in a machine. Now, to be clear, I don't think that's happening to either you or to Joe right now, because yeah. I think both of you are, are mature enough to know what you are doing. Mm-hmm. But I worry about that as a habit that for somebody who's younger, again, a, a teenager or somebody else, that this becomes a very dangerous feedback loop where we completely destroy the grounds between public and private conversation. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that to some extent, but at the same time, one one of the biggest missions in life is to to defeat the ego, to destroy <laughs> the part of you that it gets offended by things. And I would make the argument that the earlier that you can learn to do that, the earlier that you can learn to be emotionally unaffected by people disliking you, it it manifests itself as a superpower. You you then develop a superpower. You become a superhero because no one can impact you. Like your, 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 your destiny is programmed by you at that point and no one else has any say in it. And that's, I think that's an invaluable skill that we need to teach our youth. I mean, yeah, but that's like, that's really like trial by fire, right? If you're like doing oh, that very painful online. process. And I think, I mean, like you're almost making it sound like you should be immune to like all feedback that you could possibly get, which obviously like, is not productive. Um, but to Jimmy's point, like that's why I feel passionate about the difference between like an online personal blog and an edited literary journal, magazine, novel, whatever. Right. Like, sure. 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 Um, mm. Not to say there aren't some like really excellent blogs out there. Um, but like, like roses and rhetoric.com. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think, I mean, yeah. I mean, teenagers will always be susceptible to stuff like that, right? But, like, you know, I didn't put this story out there into the world looking for people to tell me it was good or I'm great or whatever, you know? Oh, right. Absolutely. And so, which, like, you clarified. But I guess, like, if, I don't know, when people are considering, yeah, revealing that personal stuff, putting it out there, like, that's just something to, to keep in mind. Like, let me ask you this, Ken's. If you, if you had put this out there and you got like a, I know you didn't, but it's hypothetically, if you'd gotten a lot of backlash and a lot of like hate from it and a lot of disdain, what, do you think that would have impacted your, your your artistic output on other pieces of work? It would depend. Like if it was disdain for like, oh, you're a mess, drunken, hungover, you know, like out drinking and vomiting. that would be one thing where I'd be like I really don't care right because that's definitely something I put out there that doesn't necessarily reflect amazing on me Um, but if 
you know, if people were really like, this is just a bad story, you know, and like, you seem like a bad person, like that would be really hard. Um, and I'm not sure what <laughs> yeah, I would have done, sure. but do you get what I'm saying? Like if they were just judging me for some things that happened uh, that, you know, I didn't have to put in the part that I vomited, but I did. I wanted to, you know, All right, <laughs> great. Well, it, it was, it every was... story needs vomiting. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So that's why I watched him in centipede, but yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> now I might vomit again. <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I, agree with everything that you guys were saying except for the part where people need to be immune from feedback this isn't about ego so much as it is about consequence and again this isn't about you and joe because neither one of you wrote anything that's gonna you know destroy your life or anything like that yeah but let me let me use a more no well, i mean i think and- both of you wrote very I don't want to say moderate to me, not interesting, but I mean, they, you know, it wasn't, it, we were joking earlier, obviously neither, neither one of these is, is a hit piece. Right? Yeah, I mean, exactly. they're right. I mean, For like, sure. what's something I going to say? So I, that, that doesn't concern me, but let me, when let me I just more... want to clarify, I said that sure. we, it would be hurtful if we were immune to feedback. Yeah, yeah. no, right, right, <laughs> okay. right. So yeah, correct. So this is more, I guess, the feedback against what Joe was saying is that let me, let me use a more extreme example where even ego having no impact would still be damaging to someone's life, which is the case right now with a ton of people who make pornography when they're young and then go out into the adult life and have to live with that as a consequence. Now, even if they're okay with it personally in terms of ego, that's still going to affect how society interacts with them. And it is just the case that nobody is immune from the behavior of other people. I mean, we need society, we need other people to interact with and to, and to live and so what I would worry is that somebody really does damage their reputation or does something else that burdens them. And I would say unfairly burdens them for two reasons. One, I don't think we should chastise people who make pornography in general. I, secondly, I don't think we should chastise people who say that they made a mistake and want to move on from it. I would say either case, we shouldn't punish them. But in, in any event, whatever boat they find themselves in, whatever boat or chair conference they find themselves in, we they are still going to be in the situation of having to, to interact with those consequences based on how other people treat them mm-hmm. in terms of job interviews, in terms of whatever it is, family reunions, et cetera. So it isn't just emotional. It's, 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 it's physical. It's, it's, it's behavioral as well. Yeah. But, but, but who cares? Wouldn't it be better to be congruent with yourself than base your emotional state on factors you can't control? On other oh, but I'm, I'm, not, I'm not talking about emotion at all. I'm putting that entirely aside. I'm talking about in terms of the life that you live, in terms of your quality of life, your income, whatever it is, that well, those will be your happiness. Your happiness. Sure, right? but that's correct, which has many but... components to it, right? I mean, yeah. even if you're yeah. a well-centered person, you're going to have many components to it. And it's still the case that I would worry that somebody who's 18 and says makes, and said they make pornography that they're going to have, whatever their emotional state is, they're, they're, they could have a harder life if somebody decides to, to judge them for that, for whatever reason. Yeah, but why would you base your emotional state on outside influences, on, thing, on I'm people's not, opinions? Correct. I'm saying that you shouldn't. Again, I'm, I'm, I'll repeat it. They, it, it I'm not even talking about their emotions. I'm sorry, that is From a practical separate. standpoint. From a practical standpoint. So even if they have perfect emotional health, 
I was still worried that they would have to face some kind of undue consequence or something that, because of that. I it think entirely separate from their emotion. I think the moral of the story is have someone who loves you read your short story public journal before you publish it and watch whatever episode <laughs> of porn you made. Yeah, make, you're right. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and make sure that you do some face. research. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Give, give a thumbs up. <laughs> yeah, give some feedback. I'm- I don't know, I think that might be a wrap. I think that was a, I think that was really productive. Yeah. I think it was great. Thank Agreed. both of you for sharing your writing. That was great. You are welcome. Thank you for having me as your guest. You know, Kenzie, you've been, you've been our best guest. On this <laughs> been our, yeah. You've been our, you've been our best, our, our best guest in what might be our most viewed podcast. I mean, really, I think this is, if, who knows? Uh, if if two points make a line, I think are up for uh, for some some good numbers. So. I'm uh, I'm excited to see how it goes. All right, Jim, you want to close us out? Yeah. So thank you again to Kinsey Quick for sharing her story with us. Uh, well written, well uh, well portrayed, good uh, good voice work, which I can tell you is not easy. And uh, thank you also to my co-host Joe Stanford for sharing his story as well. Um, both of you guys did a great job today. Uh, this is a good conversation about the personal, the private, and everything in between. So for Jimmy Hackett, for Joseph Stanford, saying thank you for Moses Rhetoric, and we will see you next time. I'm, I'm already sweating. <laughs>